Hello there, everybody. Um, if you are listening to this, I am not Justin or Corey. I'm Donald. Corey, Corey knows that key. I'm uh, Dan. Neither is Justin. But we have <laughs> Dan here. Hey, Dan. Hello. How's it going, Donald? It's going good. Uh, for some reason, uh, Justin and Corey gave us the keys to the podcast. How do you? I mean, this is this is like the second time they've done that. The first time, I guess, went pretty well. Yeah, well, you know, we get the intro, and and, and we'd uh, we'd it'd be super offensive if we didn't mention that this is a soccer podcast where we're going to be talking about soccer. So if you like soccer, stick around. No, we're definitely talking about soccer. You know, we have two matches coming up uh, against Brazil and Mexico this weekend for the men. Uh, we are back in at the kickoff series, whatever you want to call it. It doesn't matter. the The future is now. We are in a new cycle new beginnings, and really a, a young team. So uh, what do we have for the people today? Um, I don't know. I'm pretty excited myself. We've got Brian Sharetta on. Um, he's of AmericanSoccerNow.com, uh, the New York Times. And I think, honestly, he's got more scouts and spies than the CIA around the world. Um, the eyes and ears of, of uh, young Americans playing abroad and, and, and domestically as well. Uh, really looking forward to having a chat with him um, in – in the run-up to two huge matches in New Jersey and Nashville. That Yeah, that is a great catch. I don't know how we got Brian to agree to come on the soccer podcast, but I guess he likes soccer too. Um, so why don't we get to that interview that we did uh, just a few minutes ago with Brian Shredder. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Brian Sharetta. How did I do there, Brian? Um, <laughs> uh, all right, all right, kudos. Well, we got Brian Sharetta on the line here. Um, if you are familiar, if you travel at all in men's national team circles, uh, Brian is, I, I, I don't want to give him too big of an ego here, but uh, definitely an expert at Yanks abroad and, and, and young Yanks. He, he's finding diamonds in the rough everywhere. Um, we've got him on the line. He, he's currently uh, the head writer of AmericanSoccerNow.com, so you got to check that all out. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about the upcoming friendlies. Thank you for the warm welcome. I appreciate that. Uh, this is Donald here, and we're going to – let's start off with the, uh, the roster that was just released, uh, I guess, this past Sunday. Um, Marky Delgado was added on Monday. Uh, but just give us your initial thoughts on the roster and which guys excite you the most about uh, about who's coming to camp. Oh, sure. I mean, I think um, it's a it's a strong roster. I think it makes sense to build off of uh, a one one draw in France. I think if you could pull that off, you should probably kind of continue to let it ride with that group of players. Uh, I think the addition of John Brooks is huge because literally and figuratively um, he is a uh, playing some unbelievable soccer. I mean, this is Brooks at his ceiling, um, how he's done the first two weeks of the Bundesliga with Wolfsburg. I mean, wins over Leverkusen and, and Schalke, um, and he's been instrumental in both. So I think you really got to look towards him um, being an impact player against Brazil. Um, you know, I'm, I think he's going to return to Germany after the Brazil game and won't be there for Mexico. So he's definitely going to start there. I think that whole back line is exciting. Um, you know, the, they're playing, all those guys are playing well. Miazga is playing well. Uh, Anthony Robinson is, a, is one of the best left-back jet, jet prospects in a long time, how he can fly up and down the side. 
Yedlin there is playing great for Newcastle. So a lot of guys in that back line is playing are playing very, very well. And then, you know, um, you know, and then it's just going to be a question of how it's going to work in that central midfield. Like, how is Tyler Adams? He's always exciting to watch. How is he going to do with uh, Weston McKinney? Um, I mean, those guys have a chemistry that goes back to when they were both 13, 12, 13 years old. So it's kind of interesting to see them see that kind of translate to this level because they can be very good. And, Kellen, Kellen, and who can fit in with those two guys? Do we Kellen Acosta or Will Trapp or, you know, how, what kind of combinations is, are we going to see in that center midfield? Then, of course, um, you know, uh, 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 Zach Steffen in goal is, is really looks ready to be the number one for a long, long time in, in goal. So, you know, forward has a lot of question marks right now. It's going to come down to who can never finish their chances. But, you know, more importantly, it's how the chemistry works between the back line and the midfield and how the ball can move and in, advance into the final third. I think the forwards can finish it off. But, you know, it's going to come down to getting the ball in the dangerous positions with the midfield and how the wingbacks can push forwards. I think you're going to have to create a lot from the side and uh, how that defense and goalkeeping can hold together. But they got the pieces there to do it. It's just interesting, interesting to see how it all comes together. Yeah, and you, you mentioned earlier that we're, you know, we're facing Brazil and Mexico. Those are, you know, one of those teams, you know, Brazil is the five-time World Cup champions. They're, they're one of the best teams in the world. They consistently one of the best teams in the world. Uh, and that's a really tough test. And then we have a, a friendly that's not a friendly against our arch rivals in Mexico. What's the key for these young guys as they enter two really tough games? I mean, albeit at home, uh, but still two games against two tough opponents. Well, I think they got to look towards what happened against France. Because um, if you can draw France in France, you can get a result versus Brazil. You can get a result versus Mexico. And uh, it's not about the result. It's a matter of, these young guys, I mean, going to, a, you know, all of a sudden making such a dramatic shift in the team in, in the way that they did in terms of overhaul in the entire core and then bringing in a roster with like an average age of close to 23, 24 years old, um, you know, in particular a starting lineup where the average age is going to be 22 is very difficult. Um, but it's the, but it's, and really these players have the talent. It's about the confidence and realizing that they can hang with these really good teams and not getting rattled if they go down a goal. You know, if they lose like three to two with one nothing, you know, that's fine. I think everyone can kind of live with that. It's about getting this experience so that this is not new to them. This kind of environment's not new to them uh, when qualifying or the Copa America, the whatever they're going to call the Copa America, the Continental Cup, when it comes around in a couple of years, which I think they want to have another Copa America here in the United States. But in the Olympics and all this big soccer that's yet to play, there's a lot of importance. It's not just Qatar. There's a lot of importance games between you know that are, that are going to happen before then that you're going to want to have a good showing at it's about confidence now no one's going to remember these games but you know if it can be solid first steps you can build a foundation on it so it's about not really the result but how you play um and connecting passes and creating chances and and not getting down so that's really what i think is is on the line for these young players is to build confidence well, it kind of sounds like you're you're preaching for the for the long view of American soccer, and if, if we know sure. anything, um, everybody has a has a short attention span on, on soccer Twitter. So that's that's a completely unreasonable thing for you to say. So stop <laughs> it right now. No, I just said yeah. You have to think long term. I mean, between fans and management, you have to hope management prevails with the with the right decision. But anyway, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, I was just going to kind of roll right into this this whole long view thing. Um, you know, I, I, I said in, in our intro, you uh, you seem to have uh, eyes and ears uh, across the globe. And, and we talk a lot about the young players 
um, and stuff like that. But you're known among circles about having all this information about up and coming fans. You know, are are there a couple people that aren't on this roster that you October um, domestic matches or or the November uh, European based uh, friendlies that we should be keeping an well, eye out for? Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's going to come down to progress with their clubs. I think, um, you know, Jonathan Amon and Emmanuel Sabi and Romain Gall kind of jumped to, towards everyone, so jumped to the top of everyone's list. Um, how they've done, I think Jonathan Amon will start playing more with the U20s because they have World Cup qualifying coming, and it will be interesting to see if Tab Ramos can get him released for U20 World Cup qualifying in November. Um, you know, I think that that tournament, you know, uh, puts Josh Sargent in that mix. So that would probably take him temporarily out of the U.S. national team picture if he can play for the U.S. U20s. I don't think Tim Weah will be there, but you never know. He's, he's eligible. And if he's not playing for PSG, maybe it's a good place to get him games. And, and the U20 games man, mean something, whereas the friendlies don't and just opens up a door for someone else. Um, Sabi for in Denmark has scored a lot of goals. He's very, very athletic and strong. Um, how that will translate to you know more athletic defenders remains to be seen. Same thing with Romain Gall. I think domestically you have to look at Reggie Cannon uh, right back for Dallas because um, I don't necessarily know who is going to be the long-term backup to DeAndre Yedlin at right back. I know Reggie Cannon is probably going to be the starter for the U.S. Olympic team, the under-23 Olympic team. He's having a great year for Dallas but I think he could perhaps sneak in there and take uh, the backup role behind um, Yedlin from Shaq Moore. I think that that's someone they definitely have to look at because he's playing week in, week out very well. You know, Keegan Rose and Barry too, um, uh, to a lesser extent. And then, you know, it's just some of these Olympic guys that are doing very well, like Austin Trusty in Philadelphia um, and, you know, Justin Gladden. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. There's good players domestically and abroad. Joel Sonora's broken through or, not quite broken through, but he's, he's getting time in Argentina's Primera. Um, he had a tough time in Germany, but he's now back in his home country of Argentina while he's an American uh, doing well. So, yeah, there's there's Americans doing well across the globe right now, but um, it's really limited sample, sample size. You know, some of these guys have only played a handful of games that we're talking on and trying to base their whether they're ready for a call-up on that, and that's not quite the case. But by October, November... There should be a more clear picture, but I think if there's a ability for these guys to go to the 20s, uh, the players who are age eligible will probably do that because this is a good U20 team, and I think that Tab wants to put on a good show with the U20 team because it's the first time this team has hosted U20 World Cup qualifying um, that I can remember. So, I mean, obviously there's, there's yeah, there's a lot of cause for for being optimistic on, on the youth side and stuff like that. And and this roster is, you know, when you say veterans like John Anthony Brooks and, and DeAndre Yedlin, you're like, wow, okay. that's, that's a young, that's a young roster. But, you know, there, we probably will see a few of the old guard perhaps come back in. I mean, which veterans do you feel like, and like, you know, real veterans that go a little bit further back, um, do you see making their way back into the men's national team camp who still has, uh, you know, advice to give or, or, or help these youth players grow? Cause I mean, youth is, youth is great, but sometimes you need somebody to keep their, their heads on straight. Well, I think that it, it's kind of unrealistic to expect that the next U S men's national team roster, if they qualify for Qatar, that the team there will not have anybody in their thirties. So that would, you know, you have to start looking at guys in their late twenties or even in their early thirties. Now, I think that there's a prime candidate as in the, one of the backup goalkeeping positions because I don't really think uh, Alex Bono or Ethan Horvath have really settled into this back. I've, if they're holding on to a backup national team uh, job right now, it's 
it's it's very narrow. Let's put it that way. Like their their grip on it is very is very weak. Um, uh, so you could potentially see some guy a guy like Stefan Fry or Tim Melia, maybe even Brad Guzan sneak in and and you know be a guy in the mid 30s uh, as a backup goalkeeper, which is not a bad age for a backup goalkeeper at the next World Cup. So they have to be in the picture. Um, you know, uh, you know among the uh, among the field players, it's it's tough to mention, but you know American fans don't want to hear it, but uh, I'll say it. I, I think Josie Altidore is not done with this team, and because right now, you know, there's just not a lot of guys. You're too many, ho- too much hope is being pinned on a lot of guys who don't have professional experience. Everyone's saying, well, Josh Sargent will be there, you know, uh, or Tim Weah will be there, you know, Novakovic will be there. I mean. That, that's 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 hopeful. You know, you can be hopeful about that, but you can't really expect that just yet. I mean, Tim Weah hasn't played many professional games. Yes, it's a tough nut to crack at PSG or even Warder Bremen for Josh Sargent. But, you know, it, it might not ever come to fruition with a couple of these guys just based on numbers and how things work with at the youth level. And Josie's, you know, 28. Uh, and he really, the, the downfall of Josie's career has been injuries. You know, he's he's been injured for many, many big tournaments and and hasn't you know but i think if he could stay healthy um he's going to be in the picture until someone forces him out over the long over a long period of time with consistent you know professional you know uh substantive experience and that that hasn't been the case yet so i think you can't cross him out it's not like michael bradley who's are now already over 30 and there's a lot of central midfielders who are making cases in those positions so those are those are some veteran areas there that i think you have to look at i think in central defense and and fullbacks and 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 a lot of the other positions um, in the center midfield, it, it doesn't you know the, the the youth has stepped up, but you have to look at where it hasn't, and then who's still available from the veteran side. Absolutely, yeah, no, a, a measured approach is is definitely uh, where where it's at. The men's national team reportedly hasn't interviewed any candidates, according to uh, Soccer by Ivas, and uh, just recently. Juan Carlos Osorio, who is rumored to be in the running for the position, signed for Paraguay. So I guess the big question is, is what's going on in, in the in the head coach search? Um, should we be more patient with this? Um, obviously, a lot of high profile friendlies going on in the fall. And and I think, you know, the players have turned over. So a lot of fans are looking for coach turnover or at least a new announcement, um, you know, are, should you be preaching patience to to those of us out on social media, or or what do you what do you know about uh, what's going on in Ernie's head? Well, I think you know. Look, Ernie's been on the job now. It's September fourth. He started August one, so it's, he's only been there a month. I think U.S. Soccer was right to prioritize um, the World Cup bid. I mean, just about all of their resources went into that World Cup bid, winning it um, uh, for twenty twenty six. I don't think they they necessarily saw like the urgency to to get a head coach um and and put all their efforts into hiring a head coach over the bid when I don't think that they saw um you know without a meaningful games coming on the approach I thought they could take their time on the bid which I I actually agree with that I think it's important to host the World Cup and and the fact that there aren't a lot of the fact that there are there isn't a meaningful game until the Gold Cup next year they do have time to to get a head coach so um, I, I don't necessarily understand where the fire is. So let's put it that way. Um, in terms of hiring head coaches, as long as they get it right, 
And uh, so what I and, and yes, uh, Ivis was correct um, in the report. I was there you know, at practice when 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 that kind of news was being uh, spoken around that they had that no one's been interviewed. Um, but I think really what Ernie was doing for the first month on the job was was fine was was speaking to a wide range of people to build up what the profile and identity of U.S. soccer he wants the national team to look like um, from the top levels to the youth to the bottom levels. What is the identity of the team? And what kind of characteristics do they want in a head coach? And then, and then I think after that, he's going to go and interview people who fit that image. And that's to kind of even take a longer term view of this thing so that, you know, when you look at like how much the program changed, like between Bob Bradley and Jurgen Klinsmann and Jurgen Klinsmann and to Bruce Arena, I mean, those are radical major earthquake kind of level shifts in the U.S. national team. So, um, you know, I think it's more or less to find an identity that works and then being able to stick with it so that whoever the next coach is after him, you'll be able to maintain within that identity. So, you know, that's what I think is going on. Um, in the end of the day, I think uh, it will be Greg Berhalter, like a lot of people are speculating, but that's just my own guess. I just think he, you know, he checks a lot of boxes for what they want. I mean, he's played abroad. He's he spent a lot of time abroad. He spent a lot of time in MLS, like, um, you know, he's seen the system from the inside and the out. Um, so, uh, uh, young American players who've played under him in, in Columbus have done well. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, it's, um, there's a, but then I think they're trying to even look at beyond that, like to the Olympic team and to, and to who's be, who would be beyond Burhalter if he's the next head coach. I think that that's kind of what they're trying to do and, 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 and take time making this decision because yeah, I mean, if he was to take over the head coaching now, is it really going to matter too much as to what happens in the Gold Cup next summer? I don't really think so. And Brian, I think we're going to get you out on this question. Uh, we don't like dwelling in the past, so we're going to look forward to uh, the next four years, neither the next eight years uh, with the 2026 World Cup. Uh, looking forward over the next four to eight years, what gives you optimism uh, about this squad? And what can we take from uh, the next four years and say and really get behind I mean, what I look for for optimism, if I was an American fan, would be just, you know, when I wrote the missing years piece, I think, I don't know if you guys read it, it was, but it was like, it was how there was a lost generation um, of players and, and they just really never panned out. And you trade back to when they were young players and you found out that they weren't getting results as youth national teams. Um, my, 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 my belief is that while there isn't a complete correlation between youth national team results and senior team results, I, I think it exists far more than some people give it credit for. And you're starting to see a lot more sustained youth national team, uh, good appearance, like solid appearances now, where they're really coming through. And it's not just one player. It's a wave of players all stepping up on these international environments. Back-to-back U-20 World Cup quarterfinal results. And the last team, they didn't even bring their best players in McKenney and Pulisic. And they're still, you know, finishing the quarterfinals. That's a far cry from how it used to be when that missing generation, which is players born in 1990 to 1994, when they hit their prime, they weren't, they were still struggling and they weren't, they ended up using the results. They were struggling too. And they had their best players. So, you know, I think that you're starting to see, um, you know, uh, really good results with the youth and good style of play and a lot of chances created and, and, and a lot of encouraging signs at the youth levels dating back to 2015, really. Um, so I, with, with all that, going forward you'd have to think that this group is going to mature right um and uh and and kind of grow together because like i said if you look at weston mckinney and tyler adams these are guys who've played together since they were 14 years old like they know each other so well even if they're in different countries and different leagues 
So there's a lot of good things to see, you know, when you follow this thing, not just looking at it now or looking how this developed, this group has developed over the past year, but when you see how it's developed over the past, you know, four, five, six years, it's, it's good to see. Well, that has me hyped for Friday and, and Tuesday. I, I, we really appreciate that. But uh, uh, thank you so much, Brian Shredda, uh, for joining us on the, the soccer podcast, as Corey would call it. Um, before we actually let you go, uh, let the people know where they can find you uh, on the Internet. Oh, I'm always on Twitter answering questions. Uh, Brian Shreda, S-C-I-A-R-E-T-T-A dot net, uh, or just Shreda. And then I'm over at American Soccer Now, not net, American Soccer Now dot com. And, uh, you know, doing a lot of radio shows on Talk Sport and Sirius. And, um, and, uh, and, uh, yeah, sometimes I pop up at the New York Times uh, from time to time and, uh, and other places as well. So, uh, um, you know, I'm around. Let's put it that way. I'm busy. Well, great. Well, we, appre- we appreciate your time. We really do. Uh, and, and thank you guys out there for listening. Um, reminder, we have two matches coming up. One on Friday uh, at, at MetLife Stadium, uh, I guess in Brian's neighborhood, um, against uh, Brazil. And then we also have Tuesday, uh, the friendly that's not a friendly against those guys in Mexico. Uh, we'll be in Nashville for that. We might actually have a recording coming to you from the night before at Nashville. But for now, uh, for Brian and for Dan, I am Donald. And we are out. Oh.